Schmelkem Schmack to the Schmeckeschmend podcast. Schmeckeschmend Schmeckeschmend. I'm your co-host Owen Murphy with D Dog, yeah. D Fitz in the room. Dara F, Fitzy, Fitzo, Fitz Beep. <laughs> um, yeah, we're here in Badenish and the conditioning. Of course. The place to go strengthening and conditioning yourself in Cork. There is um, what's a better term for than home turf? Um, my farmer stomping ground. That's the one stomping ground. Exactly yeah. what I was trying to think of. Uh, so we're here sitting on the couches. We're after hours on a Friday night, keeping the lights on, annoying the neighbours. Um, <laughs> Badly needed. Yeah. Uh, so today you you obviously know the title because you've clicked on it. Uh, but we're talking about arousal levels for lifting heavy weights, and obviously around seventy eight percent of our listenership started laughing because we said the word arousal. <laughs> um. So it's basically talking about getting hyped up for lifting weights. We've all been in the gym when there's a lot of heavy metal music playing or a lot of Carly Rae Jepsen playing very, very loud. Um, and there's people crying in squat racks. So we're going to kind of talk about, we actually have a, a slight plan, which is we have five sentences written. Uh, well, I, th- I, th- I thought this time, I thought we should try it for once. Yeah, Gareth wanted to. Cause Gareth wanted to fuck with the special soup. Because remember the creativity, like the uh, the muse. Remember the podcast we did with Arthur, um, the one last year. Oh yeah. Remember we had some headlines. Yeah, that was great. And we talked about none of them. I'd say none of them. That's first when we thought, you know, maybe because the first podcast we did was in front of a camera. Yeah. And I would say, just oh my god, that was the most awkward thing. On a on a total tangent for anyone here right now. So some of you may be thinking of starting. A lot of you might be coaches or businessmen or people looking to put stuff on on any any format. Content creators. Any content at all yeah. in regards to any business. Don't start in front of a camera. No. Is my number one a piece of advice. Just the first few times. Just start with audio is what I definitely recommend. Yeah. Because the eye of the camera has a magic power to turn you to absolute <laughs> spastics. We did some videos, and I know we've talked about this before on uh, for the website. And yeah, they, we just just can't ever be seen. No, shown they to can't man. ever be shown. No. Um, when your missus starts laughing, yeah, then norm- you know it's bad. Normally, very supportive missus is. Yeah, you know it's terrible, but we already knew it was terrible. Yeah. So, uh, so we'll just say start with audio. Start with audio, yeah. The other thing with audio is like, yeah, you'll edit the start and you'll edit the end, yeah. And then like, you usually know if you have to edit bits in the middle, but like, usually, rarely do we go back and listen to eighty-five minutes of the Secret Trend podcast. You know what happens sometimes is I'll just I'll be looking for a clip to cut, you know, and yeah. put up somewhere, and then I'll keep listening because I'm like, this isn't that bad. <laughs> and then after like ten minutes, I'm like, oh, it's us, and then I'll turn it off. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because you can't listen to your own voice when you remember it's your own voice. Do you ever forget you've said things? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It happens to me all the time. Um, okay, so anyway, back to this. I like script. listening to your voice, there. It's great. You really, really I like listening to your voice. Thanks. It's I hate listening to my own voice. Do you? I think everyone does, though. Yeah, yeah. I think it's completely normal. Do you know why that is? Why is that? An interesting side note. What's that? So, the reason your voice sounds different when you record it. Does it actually sound different? Yeah. Okay. So you have. But your voice sounds exactly like your voice. Yeah, but your voice sounds. I'd exactly know it like anywhere. Your voice. I'd know it anywhere. <laughs> Basically. Yeah. You have an internal protective mechanism in your head, yeah, that alters the pitch at which you speak 
or the pitch of what your ears pick up because obviously you're very very close to your own vocal cords okay so you don't want to be deafening yourself with your own voice right so how you perceive your own voice or how you hear in inverted commas yeah your own voice is actually different from how everybody else hears it is my and it's because of that protective mechanism that's very interesting yeah. my my voice sounds very high pitched to me and i assume it's in no way high pitched no, it's not high pitched. I would imagine it just sounds. <laughs> I imagine it's extremely manly and I imagine deep. It's incredibly <laughs> very white. Right, Tom Waits. <laughs> do you, you want to? Do you know something else useful? What? Do you know why everyone hates the smell of farts? Universally, worldwide, every human. Oh, race. you told me this. This is class. Because all the people that love farts are dead. Yeah, basically. So anyone who would have loved the smell of farts would have almost certainly have been wiped out of the gene pool, because farts smell like sulfur. And if any of your ancestors went into a cave and were like, geez, this sulfur smells great. Nothing like the smell of sulfur in the morning. They'd be dead. It's mad, isn't it? That's crazy. Like, obviously sulfur gas is toxic. So if they had gone into a cave with sulfur, they would have died immediately. Yeah. And their their genetics would have been rightly removed. Eliminated. From the gene, from the gene pool. As we all are, as by looking, by the judge of the climate change. Now. S- soon all will be. Now. People who love putting petrol in their cars. Anyway, so we're going to talk about uh, why you should get pumped up or why people might want to get pumped up when they're lifting heavy weights. We're going to talk about how much is is enough. Arousal is enough? How much arousal. (laughs) How hyped up you should be getting. Um, How much might be too much. So, like, is there a thing of, like, diminishing returns? Then kind of different strategies for how you might get hyped up or what being hyped up might look like for different people. Uh, And then... No coke. What's that? No, no coke. What? No, no coke. No. Have you heard the story about um? I have, yeah, Eddie. Eddie Hall. Yeah. We better not say it just in case he ever. <laughs> yeah, we're not gonna say it. Um, you can. And infer, then, though. and then the last one is. All I'll say is is side note: five hundred kilo deadlift. <laughs> <laughs> and then the last thing we're gonna talk about is like kind of a few relaxation methods. So. It all happens us when we're like going into a comp or we're going to do like we know we're going to be maxing our our back squat or a snatch or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. And you're like thinking about it all day and like suddenly it's three o'clock in the afternoon and you're not training until six and you're hopping off your seat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're getting neurotic about it. like Yeah. So uh, obviously that's not good. That's What's the deal with? We may call that hyper arousal. With um, stitch and venom. I want to put it's you down. No, no, it's the best uh, screensaver in the world. I wouldn't have put Garf you. I was looking at my laptop screen, and it's um, Stitch from Lilo and Stitch, and Venom. And he's sticking his tongue out at a giant monster. That's Venom I from Spider Man. I don't know who Venom is from Spider Man. He's a big, scary-looking fella, and then Stitch is just class. There's a lot of listeners now who are very annoyed that you don't know who Venom I, is. Okay, what? I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't have put you on for that. Of Le- no, because I love it because it's this tiny little fucker being like, yeah. Fuck off. The Schmunder dog. Yeah. That's, I've had that on for years. Yeah. And I didn't have it on because my laptop updated. Yeah. And then I downloaded it yesterday or the day before. And yeah. I just had it. So just threw it up there. You need to adjust your ratio because that black spot on the left is not cool. It's so annoying, isn't it? Because if I could have it, basically it fades out to black on one side. Yeah. And then on the left hand side, it's like a hard black. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, which isn't good. But yeah, okay. So let's get started. What, Garf, why did you get pumped up to lift big weights? Um. Well, the clues in the title, I suppose, <laughs> to lift them. Yeah. Why? Why do I get okay. pumped up? Why I'm gonna, do you? I'm gonna start with a bit of theory here. Go with the theory. Um, it's probably needed. 
so when we have when we go through like certain psychological experiences we get physiological effects from it mm-hmm. um so the same way is if a dog starts barking at you your heart rate suddenly goes up and you'll feel nervous you might feel like your palm sweating because you're excited to rub the dog because, <laughs> or because you're about to have to run away um or if there's no way i'm running from any dog or if something happens where you miss the top step of the stairs, so like you're walking up the stairs in the dark and you think there's going to be another step and you feel this kind of sudden clenching of your stomach. Your asshole. Of your asshole. Uh, that, that would be another physiological response. Yep. And basically there's certain things that we can do through our psychology, which when we go to do very, very difficult physical tasks, that we can have some advantage by having that physiological activation. Do you want to hear a good story? Go on, tell me. So back in the Dizay, so you know who David Rickard is, don't you? Yeah. So anyone who's not listening, who might be a, maybe non-weightlifting... The people who are not listening. People who are saying anyone who's listening... Start who's, listening! Who's not a weightlifter or yeah. maybe a powerlifter or someone else who's just not very into weightlifting. Yeah. David Rickard was one of the... He he was... I think he set like total of 80 world records, but this was back in like the... I think it was 80s. Back was in the D-A-Y is when it was. The Dizay when he was in his he stopping grounds and he was just a great weightlifter from Russia and there's a lot of good stories about him like there's one where he uh, one of his friends dared him to put out a fag butt on the balls of a bull in a field what he said he did it so and he looked he seemed like the kind of man who would have done yeah. it he, some of his lifts were he said he snatched 200 in training at like 90 kilo body weight or something Jesus said he after he retired he did 270 so he obviously went on heavy on the soup probably yeah. for a few weeks or something. Sure, why not? Um, There's another story he was saying one of his friends was like painting airplanes and he was like like a winch and a pulley and he said like girls walked past and he just held his friend with, like you know like a rope like you know yeah like with one hand and like started waving at the girls and stuff like oh my God. funny stuff like that yeah but there's a, a this is a true story because someone it just didn't come from him it was uh, someone this is in like an Iron Mind article it is yeah it? David yeah. Uh, David not David Goldstrom David uh, Randall Randall Carlson I think. So it was Randall Carlson's the, like no Randall Strauss or oh, something yeah Randall Carlson's the guy who goes on Joe Rogan and talks about the Ice Age and stuff oh is it yeah oh he's good he's so interesting um but so it was in the warm up room of some international competition might have been the Olympics uh I can't remember if Rigard was competing or he was competing and he left his gear at the hotel room but he had to train anyway so he only had a pair of like flip-flops or he's in normal clothes and he so basically no way to choose or anything on and the story goes at some point he's done no warm-up there's a bar loaded with 150 kilos and he's standing in front of the bar and he's just closed his eyes and his hands up by his side and his signature pose which he used to do before he lifts kind of in a Ave Maria kind of like ascension to heaven pose uh. and uh, the story goes that he's closed his eyes and he's standing there and he starts sweating. Yeah. And he's like breathing really deeply. red. Really, really, really sweaty. Breathing really deeply. And then proceeds to snatch him on 50 cold. That is reckless. In sandals. That's how the story goes. We'll try fact that che- check that after and post it in the uh, comments if you can find it. It's actually like, so that's a perfect example because... Of an absolute badass. <laughs> of a badass doing incredibly stupid things. No, but it's it shows what like what kind of link we can have between our psychology yeah. and our physiology and how that could be advantageous. And assumably some people have genetics that would make their psychology more effective on their physiology yeah. and yeah, vice versa. Yeah, definitely, yeah. 
or worse, some people can't control it at all and have yeah. no control over it. Whereas yeah, obviously, or like people might have certain experiences that would lead them to be. Yeah, we're not like you hear the things like weak minded and all this thrown yeah, around. Yeah. But, um, obviously, David had a <clears throat> major control over his psychology. Yeah, yeah. Um, that doesn't come by accident either. So when we talk about like getting hyped up for lifting, like the the classic cases, you see the videos of like Westside Barbell or the big powerlifting gyms, or you go to a powerlifting competition. And you hear really, really heavy metal music playing incredibly loud all the time. There's people slapping people on the back. There's people shouting at each other. Uh, people are sniffing ammonia. And then they're going out and lifting. And like... Any studies on ammonia? Yeah, there actually is a few studies on ammonia. Um, which show positive effects, as far as I know. But I don't, I'm not able to quote them right now. I should have looked at them. Well, um, a pop quiz. What's the um, chemical formula of ammonia? <laughs> Two letters and a number. I don't know. NH3. Go on, anyway. <laughs> uh, what is it? NH3. Very nice. Uh, so, all these things, I've completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> you were saying people in Westside gym don't slap each other, take ammonia. Yeah, okay. You see, yeah, do all yeah. these so things. Why would that help us for weightlifting? Because obviously, right, if it looks I, very weird if you're not a weightlifter as well. Yeah, and or like, if you're not any kind of. If you think in everyday life, right, if I go into a coffee shop and I'm like, oh, can I get a like a black coffee, please? And then I proceed <laughs> to slap the person on the shoulders and tr- like throw smelling salts in their face and be like, come on! That's obviously not going to be conducive to them making a good coffee. Were you, were you struggling to think of anything other than a black coffee? Yeah, I want coffee. <laughs> so, yeah. But look, so that's, or like, if I'm like trying to write an email, yeah. I don't put on Gojira and be like, yeah. because that level of arousal obviously would be completely inappropriate. But when you're putting weights on your back, yeah, that are enough to kill normal people or you're trying to jump under weights that would definitely kill someone if they dropped it on them from above head height. You obviously have to have a level of arousal that's significantly higher. You have to have a level of physiological preparation that's significantly higher. And then you're looking for these like tiny little gains. So obviously when somebody comes into a gym or someone starts training for the first time, they don't need to go and like if they're squatting after four weeks and they like whatever they're squatting 50 or 60 kilos and they're going for their first like heavier set so it might be it could be 30 kilos heavier than they've ever squatted before before that session and they're going to do it then like obviously those people don't need really heavy music they don't need to be thinking about things before they might need breathing routines they might like might not need to get into any heightened state. They probably won't because they'll think it's incredibly weird. Uh, but then when you go to somebody who's ten years down the line of training, uh, they've gone through all the trials and tribulations, and they're looking for that tiny point one of one percent. Obviously, you're going to get absolutely everything into this heightened setup. Uh, and it's interesting when you get to. To powerlifters, like there's, we we spoke to Arthur about this that powerlifters tend to start off and they're like everybody needs this setup, you know. So it might be a shout and then they clap their hands and they walk out onto the platform, and then when they go from squatting uh two fifty to two seventy five, then it needs to be like 
a slap, then they or a clap, then someone slaps their back, then they walk out onto the platform, and then they go to three hundred kilos, and it has to be smelling salts. Two people slap them on the back, and then they walk out onto the platform, and there's this thing that, as the level of intensity increases. And as their level of experience decreases, they just get desensitized to it. So something that might have been incredibly uh, motivating or incredibly stimulating for them at a certain weight is no longer stimulating for them. Because it's like, if you keep looking at the light, the light doesn't look that bright anymore. So it's like, it's the same kind of reason that every day you go training, you probably shouldn't be putting on the heavy, heavy metal music. Or you shouldn't be having a little chat with yourself in the corner. Because the day you'll actually need those levels of arousal, they just won't be there. Obviously, then as well, if you apply those levels of arousal in every single training session, or especially if you're a beginner, your ability to be consistent with the skills you're applying will be greatly diminished. Yeah. And especially when you're learning them, if you learn a skill, like let's say you're just squatting 100 kilos and you have to get incredibly aroused to squat the 100 kilos, it's going to make it very hard to move beyond that 100 kilos then. Yeah, and like when you talk about marginal gains or whatever, um, I actually hate that phrase because that's what Team Sky, the cycling team, disguised their doping as for like six years. Um, but anyway, what did they do? They had this program of marginal gains, so they they said if it was like worth half of one percent, they'd implement it. So like some pillow company came on board, yeah, and they showed that like their sleep got a percent better or something, right? Um, but they were actually just doped to the gills. So it's like jerk dips, basically. <laughs> Front rack holds, yes. marginal gains. Marginal gains. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, so like, if you have beginners, giving them that 1% is not more important than them having consistent, measured progress all the time. So if you get someone in here and we get them extremely height, like amped up, and they do 100 kilos instead of 95 kilos, that's probably not that good for their overall development. Yeah. Because it means if they want to come in next week and they want to do the 100, they'll have to get that amped again and possibly more instead of just coming in, doing their 95, doing the 100 next week with no hype, doing 105 the next week with no hype. And then when it gets to like a a stage where they start plateauing Mm -hmm. or they start having worse or like they need to put more in to get there, then you start applying a bit of hype. You know, it's, it's it's the same way you don't start shouting at people in the first five minutes of a match. You know, <laughs> if you're sitting there in the stands watching a football game and it's five minutes in and you're like, come on! Yeah, yeah, yeah. You don't go straight for it, like? No, and it's like, it's perfectly acceptable to do that in the last five minutes. But in the first five minutes, it's just like, when you say it now, it makes absolutely zero sense. It sounds oxymoronic, but that's what it is. There's a lot to be said for cam squatting and cam lifting yeah. for a lot of your training, regardless of what stage you're at, especially if you're, because if you're a beginner and you, you do get really hyped up, because you're a beginner, you'll be making gains anyway. Yeah. But if you're a lifter in intermediate to later stages and if you're squatting weights, if you need to do six weeks of training at incredible, real a lot of hype every day, like every set is really intimidating every set is produce, producing a huge psychological response and physiological you're just gonna you're making it really hard on yourself if you're doing six weeks of sets and then when you do need to go or eight weeks or twelve weeks and then you do need to go for your 1RM there's just nothing left there like yeah. Dara said you're massively desensitized 
to any new stimulus <coughs> or any of the old stimulus you've been playing and then any new stimulus you look for then is going to be after that much greater so eventually at some point you're just left with cocaine I suppose <laughs> um, so like yeah, what I, and I, like yeah like what I like to do most of the time when I'm squatting is the many many weeks and many sessions of just very calm squats yeah so like I'll be I won't say I'll be calm but it won't be very aroused and then there'll come a day when I know it's time but I've gotten a lot better at not really just having internal stimulus like yeah. activating it but it still produces the same effect yeah I think Joe when you're talking about doing your six or eight weeks of sets and you can't obviously go to that level every time like it's important to note that that level of stimulation like that doesn't come for free so when you get home after a day of training or like a, a session and you've been calm you've had a well-regulated heart rate uh you haven't been like super amped up and like when we're talking about getting amped up like you're you're essentially activating parts of your brain that are involved with the fight or flight mechanism so these are like really really hard areas on your body in terms of stress in terms of like uh hormone releases and hormone cascades like you're going to have heightened levels of cortisol you're probably not going to sleep that well after it this isn't these aren't things that you can just go and do every single day unlikely if you're so same thing so we haven't actually mentioned is chemical stimulus yeah so obviously we have like heavy metal music or physical stimulus from people slapping you or you see a lot of them you don't see in other sports but in weightlifting there's like ear rubbing <laughs> or massage rubbing or hair rubbing yeah like vigor like basically nuggies was that what they're yeah. called or like back slapping and stuff you see that in some sports but like actually before a couple of years ago so the coaches used to obviously like you know the you know when the lifters lined up just before the stairs yeah and they give them slap or whatever or like they used to there was one case where like they were like people get their sli- faces slapped and stuff you know yeah and uh, they were doing it to women and obviously a 60 year old man slapping a 25 year old woman yeah it was like 50 kilos even though she's totally okay with it she wants him to yeah, do it she yeah, wants yeah. to lift Euros or um, I don't know if I think it was the IWF or the Eurosport asked them to stop doing it because it looked terrible like because yeah. people didn't understand yeah yeah do you know yeah. if you just stumbled across weightlifting and you're like the fuck like, yeah, you know, yeah. like at, at a time when the image of weightlifting was fairly poor and what are you do- talking about right now <laughs> doping was rampant especially in female weightlifting yes doping is or was who knows but anyway at the time so like it was help- not helping the image like people wanted to see it more as a sport and not like a brutish thing you know yeah. so they had to ask them to stop doing it so as I mentioned there just chemical stuff like like there I was saying if you're using a lot of like psychological stimulus and heavy metal the chances are you're already overstimulated from massive caffeine yeah consumption every day yeah and look if you're even if you're taking like mild forms of pre-workout yeah um you're probably having caffeine i'm a fan you of might none be of having beta alanine yeah uh alanine, like kind of a funny one i suppose because it's more of a supposedly i suppose an aerobic and performance enhancers such as yeah and like workout. the funny thing with beta alanine particularly is so there are aerobic benefits to it yeah it's a calcium inhibitor of some form i think um is well, it cal- calcium buffer no lactate buffer is it or something it might be a lactate buffer because of it yeah but like basically people take it and then 
by the level of stimulation they're feeling on their skin. Yeah. So like everyone knows they'll have like a really itchy skin or a really itchy upper back. Yeah, yeah. Then that's like a little feedback mechanism and that's like it's like feeling your heart beating in your chest, you know, it's and getting amped up and getting amped up and yeah. and then the actual the actual mechanism through which beta alanine is working isn't really being in, like incorporated into any of the the useful pre-work useful like, yeah, yeah yeah it's just it's just a tingly thing like it, the equivalent would be taking like popping candy and feeling it crackling in the back of your throat yeah like, yeah i'm getting so fucking amped yeah 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 um like, like uh, most people i don't think really get that that it's like it's not really a an immediate stimulus provider i suppose no. it's a long-term thing you need to supplement and like in terms of things that will give you an immediate stimulus uh uh, high enough dosage of caffeine 40 minutes to an hour before yeah. a maximal voluntary contraction like lifting heavy things will give you a significant strength increase it's important to note though that the studies on those are done at stupid levels of caffeination yeah so you're talking about like an average level of caffeine of around 500 milligrams uh, it was more it was three, three up to 9 milligrams so like for me or you or someone in the 90s that's like nearly 700 milligrams of caffeine yeah, or more it's like crazy amount so like an average like cup of coffee is about one fifty. Yeah, and a monster is about the same. I think, think. one seventy five, something like that. Like so yeah, you're, um, so you're looking like four or five cans of monster yeah. an hour before. Like yeah, and like you're like that's that's a level of of chemical stimulant that like you feel very 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 unwell. I don't know if anyone's ever done that. So aside from the anxiety, I'm sure most people have done that. You feel like you're going to die when you go to sleep next time. Yeah. It's that dramatic. Yeah. And you're dramatic because you're really anxious as well because you've had so much caffeine. <laughs> and you've missed your one rep max. Do you like and a thing I think before we brush over it as well is uh, we we spoke about new lifters earlier, right? And new like everybody loves making progress. Obviously, right? If if someone comes to me today and was like, you can back squat 250 today or you can back squat 250 in six months, I'm going to be like, yep. I'm gonna take it today, thanks. Yep. Uh, but especially for weightlifting, like with the snatch and the clean and jerk, a lot of the time people will make the mistake of getting super amped up, and instead of hitting one rep max of seventy kilos or seventy two and a half kilos, they'll make a really really ugly max lift of eighty, or like they'll just they'll get the extra five percent, they'll get the extra ten percent. It won't look like any of the lifts they've done while warming up. Yep. And it'll be like a brutish, yeah, disgusting to look at thing. Like that's in no way beneficial. And the important thing to note as well is, of all the stimuluses you use, when you don't have them or when you don't get them or when you can't get to that level, your performance in if it's yeah. something that gets you to baseline, gets you to sober, as some people might say. Yeah, like your return to homeostasis. Return <laughs> to homeostasis, like if. If a jack just gets you to a normal training session and you use each one of these things all the time, let's say not alone when it comes to a time when you don't have those or you're not in an emotional state where you can bring those things about, when you get to competition then you're left with nowhere to go essentially or you're having to go to extremes. Yeah. And there's only so many comp- competitions take it out of you enough as it is. Yeah. So everyone knows that, like after weightlifting competitions or powerlifting, or, and I'm sure it's the same for CrossFit and stuff. That and athletics, it's the same for everything. That yeah. absolutely dead feeling inside where you feel just completely drained if you really win for it and you had a long build up. Yeah. So when you get to the competition, then the the high you'll have to get to is much higher than the stimulus you'll have to take. 
is much more and as stressful as competition is the downer then will be obviously Even much worse, worse. yeah uh, interesting to, think, to note about caffeine as well is that um, the benefits from the health benefits come from coffee only in like coffee form you know so you don't get health benefits from just taking caffeine it seems so there has to be the beans you know oh right yep very interesting but then obviously the similar effects <laughs> come from caffeine yeah yeah very yeah. those uh, chingums are supposed to be very good yeah, I know a good few people playing field sports to take them. Chingums. Mm. Did you ever try them? No. Um, I was a big fan of pre-workout before games. Never liked pre-workout, never liked any of them. Yeah. Um, when I was playing rugby, I used to take the optimum nutrition one. Oh, oh fuck. Amino, like, aminos, isn't it? Is uh, that what you call it? It's just called aminos. Amino like. energy. Those, I, that's it's a really, really weird concept to me, but it makes perfect sense. That people take them before field sports. Yeah. If, from when I heard it first, when you mentioned it before, I was like, "That's that just seems so foreign." Because yeah. in my head, it's just for the gym. Pre-workouts are just for the gym, you know. Yeah. But obviously, it makes perfect sense, especially for a contact sport like rugby. You want to yeah, get yeah. the fuck up, you know. Yeah, and like to talk about the contact sports, then like Joe, when you look at at fighting or you look at rugby or football or or any of the ones where you're running into people at your face, um like the level of arousal people get to before games is is like it it borders on maladaptive for a lot of people a lot of the time yeah so what tends to happen is you'll have a dressing room and and any dressing room is made up of a few different segments of players right everyone is slightly different right so it, we have Gurf sitting in the corner and Gurf Gurf loves running around the place slapping people's backs and shouting and and stamping his feet on the floor, and he loves when everyone gets into a huddle, right? Garf doesn't, for the record. <laughs> then in the other room, like, in the other corner, we have little Timmy. And little Timmy's a great player, right? But he has a lot in his mind. The last thing Timmy wants before a game is Garf running around the change room, slapping him in the chest, asking him, how much is he up for this? Ball's naked. Yeah, <laughs> because, like, for a lot of players, you don't you don't need that level of stimulus. You know, and, and it's, it's almost a thing of when players then come in together and, and it might be a, a two-minute team talk or it might be a 10-minute team talk that develops and kind of heightens into a crescendo just before they leave the, the changing room. Yeah. I think people need to become a lot more cognizant of just because somebody isn't roaring back at you doesn't mean it's they're not up for the game or like that they're not hyped or that they're not into this or, you know, uh, if someone's being quiet before the game, like they, they're not bad things. People get their yeah, like people get up for games or up for training in, in very very different ways, and I think like we've all seen those training room like those dressing room videos, and they're unbelievable to watch of like game benches, uh, yeah, like that's the, unbelievable speech. The any given Sunday speech, um, or like there's ones of like Paul O'Connell, the Irish rugby captain. Apparently, he's fantastic at it. Unbelievable, like he's like. Like there's one before Six Nations game where he's like, uh, "Did you scare anyone? Did you put the fear of God into anyone?" And like, it's unbelievable. Like you're you get tingles up the back of your neck listening I'm to it. I'm getting it now. Yeah, um, it's unreal. Go YouTube that Paul O'Connell Irish rugby team talk. Oh, you know what you should look at as well as um, this is not the same as Paul O'Connell, but the <laughs> the deck crawl from um, facing the Giants. What is it? So your man has it's just an NFL some movie, and there's like a deck crawl on their hand, basically a bear crawl, but when the the other team players are on the back, and they're like, you know, oh, that's remember the Titans. No, 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 it's from facing the Giants in the oh. movie, 
and they're like, you know, how far can you crawl? It's very good. I'll yeah. show you after, but it's well worth watching as well. Oh my god! I, I so I definitely know every word of the Brave Heart speech. Like Game of Inches is the everyone, best. yeah, of the every word of that any given Sunday speech. I know number of pieces of dialogue from Remember the Titans, and that's like that would just be like playing in my head before yeah, games. Yeah. It's the same with lifting. That's now, a like, great film. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like with team sports, right? Yeah. It is like I think it's a thing that people don't talk about very often, and that people tend to just go with the flow, you know, because that's always how it's been. And and this is this is how this team works. And I've only just come to this team, and and this is how we all act before a game. Whereas that might be something you might want to rethink. You know, interesting. You mentioned someone there, like Little Timmy, and a good example of this is um, Little Timmy comes up a lot. Little Timmy. <laughs> so he's a very internally motivated. Yeah. Like, let's say he's very, very motivated. He's super hyped up on the inside, yeah. but he's just not showing it. Like, someone like Clarence and Gabriel were great examples of that. Like, people yeah. lifting huge weights, but it was all really, really, really internal. Like, there's nothing. Like, sometimes before Clarence squats are right, he'll get, like, he'll get a bit hyped. But most of the time, on his, like, he's snatched, he's clean jerk. Like, they're, you don't really see anything. No. And obviously, it's in there. And, of course, with Gabriel, too, there, there was, there's very little... You can you can tell Gabriel was a bit danced from the few scenes we trained him now, but you like it's still really internalized with him, yeah. you know. Whereas then you see lifters like if you've ever watched any extended videos of Ilya training and when he goes for a heavy yeah, lift, like yeah, he's yeah. like all over the shop, like he's pacing a yeah. lot, heavy breathing, like when he finishes the lifts you know, like let's say you take like when Gabriel makes a lift, there's zero celebration after no. but when Ilya makes it he's absolutely ecstatic you know and both of them are just as internally motivated both of them have lifted in excess of world records yeah so clearly both ways are incredibly effective and it's important to remember as well that like you don't have to f- fake what's yeah. not coming natural to yeah, you in yeah, terms yeah. of your stimulus and like so definitely this is like in terms of gym training and lifting weights it's, it's a an area of sport where people tend to have a lot more control over like conventional sport or team sport because they those things will tend to be dictated by a coach or dictated by a team or dictated by a club um whereas when we go to the gym like we've we've a huge amount of control over basically everything we do you know we can pick the gear we wear we can pick when we train a lot of the time we're trying to fit it in ourselves we'll usually pick who coaches us if we do have a coach we'll pick which gym gym we train in if we have a choice of gyms so like a kind of big takeaway from this podcast is or the first of a few big takeaways is you should just play around with a few different methods of getting amped up um play around with them at different times play around with different levels of getting amped up so like obviously if you're going for a max lift right you've probably trained for months in planning and preparing for it uh you've made a huge amount of of gains hopefully uh, and you're excited to see it right so you know you're going to need to have a certain level of arousal so it, it shouldn't be like a thing where you've planned out absolutely everything about the training cycle and then you arrive to the gym and you're like kind of feeling a bit flat you know like this should all be planned this should be planned in the same way that you've planned that you've you're bringing your weightlifting shoes and your belt to the gym so it might be a thing of throughout the day before you lift or during that week before you make the max attempt or you compete that you're thinking about these things uh and like those small little conversations with yourself when you're sitting in the car or as you're warming up those 
thoughts you have like they're those thoughts are visualizations you know a visualization isn't always a physical representation of something that you see in your mind's eye like a visualization can be you imagining how it's going to feel or you getting a certain response from just tightening up your quads these are all like small little cues that you can be using to get that level of hype later on it's definitely important to know too as well that too hype for especially for weightlifting in particular or let's say crossfit wads or something like that yeah is absolutely can be totally detrimental absolutely like for weightlifting when you have you need an automatic response of technique you need to do what you're always doing or practice what you always practice and have that like just down to a perfect t and if you always practice that at a normal state of arousal or just a little bit nor- little higher than normal when you get to a massive state of arousal there's a very, very, very big chance that that will go to absolute shit, <laughs> which is not something you want at all. Yeah. So you you need to be very careful in controlling the levels of arousal and how you apply them, especially in the snatch and the clean and jerk. You know, with powerlifting, obviously, you can you can kind of like, I have a word in my head, but I won't say it out loud, but you can kind of bulldog your way through those, yeah. those lifts, especially max lifts, and deviate from your normal form or normal technique that you use and still make the lift but there's probably an argument there to be made that while you may have made the PB today you've you've won the battle but you might have lost the war in some ways yeah because let's say you do make your 150 bench now with a certain technique even in the state of let's say we just take it from you put or let's say in a snatch or something and you you do it a certain way right and it's taken you a while to get there or even a normal length of time, and you've made that PB with this particular technique, and then let's say normally when you snatch, you don't, um, let's say you, because you were so hyped up, you moved your grip in a little bit too close, right? But you still yeah. made the PB snatch, right? Or let's say when you're benching, you you thought about something different, okay? So all the time you've trained with this particular grip, which is a little bit wider, say we'll take the snatch one, right? And you've always trained with that, and so when you've made that PB with the narrower grip or the wider grip or the different grip, when you go back to training next week, you're like, oh. That PB doesn't really exist. Or you're like, oh, what do I do now? Like, yeah. which one do I use, you know? And I know stuff like that sounds dumb, but if that keeps happening, you keep doing things like that. Or let's say, like on the bench, your form breaks down an awful lot, but you still made that PB. Yeah. And it always breaks down in heavier weights. At some point... Regardless of injury, you're just going to hold yourself back from your ability to lift those weights, you know? Yeah, definitely. I'd like, one one we always see with the snatch is people starting with their hips too high. So, like, this might have taken four months of training for it to become a good motor pattern for them to pull off the floor with good mechanics. And then they start maxing out. And it'll start by, they'll have the same setup, but it's a bit faster. And they'll tear the bar off the floor. And then they'll have the same setup it's a bit faster and they do a stripper pull so their ass shoots up in the air before their shoulders and then it will eventually move to they'll set up over the bar they'll get their grip and then they'll barely drop their hips and they'll pull the bar off the floor in a, in a position similar to like a snatch grip RDL and like the, it happens all of the time with yeah. beginner lifters and even like novice to intermediate lifters you'll see it all the time Oh, 
like it's and it's hard not to want to get that PB, you know. Yeah, because everyone wants a PB. Yeah, like it's it's a really hard it's a hard position to be in, and oftentimes yeah. your technique is going to break down in heavier weights. But I w- just don't let it be from too much arousal or not thinking. Let it be from the weight is heavy, and that's what happens. Yeah, and for like if you're a coach listening to this, yeah, or even if you're a training partner, um. And you kind of get other people going around you. I think it's this might be a perfect time to take note of. Oh, look! I know Gurf is maxing today. Let's not keep pushing him. You know, let's mm-hmm. when he's like, "Do you think I should add more five kilos?" And be like, "Uh, yeah, yeah, up to yeah, yeah." Like Joe, like levels of arousal is just another thing to keep in mind, as well as how technically good was that? How fast did it look? Yeah. Uh, how fatigued are they what do they have in training next week how hyped up do they have to get to make that another thing as well is um, if anyone's seen the video of me clean jerking 190 on, on Clarence's YouTube was making a joke but I also wasn't really joking I was making a joke that it's not a max you know Yeah. so a lot of times <laughs> with weightlifting you train in a group people will ask you maxing today you maxing like, or when you're warming up when you're, let's say you might be planning to max in your head, yeah. okay, and it's a session you're thinking about as you're warming up, the last thing you, most people want realistically is the added pressure of someone being like, are you maxing, you know? Yeah. Because like, you, you've made it very real then when you're doing that, you know? And like, while I was joking, I also wasn't joking. Like, I had originally said I wasn't going to max. But as I was warming up, it changed, you know? But quietly in the corner, I kept putting on weight and saying nothing until... yeah the momentum would already started carrying me forward to the PB and it didn't matter then, you know. But uh, what, what like, th- like that's exactly what we're talking about here when we talk about like levels of arousal and and our psychology impacting our physiology. Like the reason you didn't want us to know you're maxing is because then everybody knows. And then there's extra pressure or there's what you would perceive as extra pressure on you. And it's not even so there's like two things could happen. You're perceiving that there's extra pressure and like you could be leaving yourself down and leaving other people down. But then there's also that how we act is going to change. So now it's like, oh, Gurf is maxing. Uh, let's than, let's yeah. give him a hand loading his bear, which he clearly doesn't need. Yeah. Or Gurf is maxing. That's like when he's going for 170 now, let's be like, yeah, Gurf, yeah, let's yeah, go, yeah, let's yeah, go. Yeah. Or like, let's turn the music up or turn the music down. Uh let's start videoing these or let's start not videoing these. Yeah. Like there's a huge amount of things can change that just suddenly alter. Or stop talking between sets. Yeah. Or, yeah. And it like, you don't, you're that ch- shit's real. Yeah. Like that it's, you're changing a stimulus and let's say obviously those stimulus don't impact the lift but you're changing the environment and then yeah. you're deviating from your normal line of thought while you're training and it's just making things harder for no reason. Yeah, and like if you think the environment doesn't impact the lift or, or the amount you're able to lift, you are sorely mistaken. Like there's a lot of people who are super stoic, you know, and it's like, I can lift anywhere and it doesn't matter. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. like, okay, you obviously don't draw that much from your environment. Yeah, but you still draw some like. Yeah, and it's also like, what are you leaving there? Like, what are you leaving behind you? Yeah. You know, it's like the same person that says, I don't do accessory work. Well, like, okay, you don't do accessory work. You might be in some way genetically gifted that you're built for weightlifting and that you don't need additional work to try and alter your body shape or or certain movement patterns. 
but what if you did? Yeah. Or like, geez, I'm in great shape and I eat like shit. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but how, how good a shape would you be in if you didn't eat like shit? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so that's like always when people talk about like, I don't need any mental skills training. You're like, all right, buddy. Yeah. Yeah, cool story, bro. Like, you, you definitely need mental mythology training, you know? <laughs> mythology training. I think something as well is that, um, not sure if it happens in other sports, but uh, spring sports, but I assume it does. Is you thinking about a session during the day, right? Is you can often become kind of neurotic about it. Yeah. And you. Oh, God, that happens in other sports. Like, you find yourself default thinking about it you're at work you're thinking about it you're yeah. taking your shit you're thinking about it yeah. you're eating your food you've, you're thinking about it but the important thing to th- say is that you're not thinking about it in a productive way yeah. you're not even thinking about it in any way you're just thinking about it Yeah. and you're just like so let's say your max anxiety is a 100% you're at a 15 out of it but you keep <laughs> bumping that to 15 every half an hour and yeah. you, you don't know you're doing it because let's say your previous, let's say this is a re- an, uh, another session from last week that's very similar and you fucked it up last week and you, you're wanting to get even with it all week, you know, but you, you're you smart and you're following your program. Yeah. But let's say you're doing like pause or you're doing hand cleans and you're like, last week they were shit and you were like, you want to get even with it. Yeah. But you're also anxious about not getting even with it because you want to do well and you want to perform well. Yeah. And it's very important just to shut the fuck up, shut the fuck up and turn it off, you know, sometimes. Yeah, and like, just so let it tur- turning it off can be yeah. good, right? If you can just be like, "Oh, I'm going to distract myself with this." Just want to, but you know, I just want to say what happens then as well is when you while fuck up your session worse, it's when you get to your session right. Instead of doing your 15 minute warm up, yeah, you're like, "Fuck it, just put it on." Yeah, you're like, <laughs> in your working sets are 140, and like you normally go 90, 110, 120, 125, 130, 135, 140. Yeah, you go 90, 125, 140. <laughs> and no shit, you're like, you fuck it the fuck yeah, up, you know? yeah. like you just, just ruin it, like yeah, and like so and you're and it's sorry again, and you're not even thinking about your technique, you're just thinking about getting to one forty, you know, and like that's a very real problem. Like you're not like okay, my hand cleans. How I need to Gareth stay. is sweating as he's talking with this, <laughs> but everyone knows it, you know. Like you want to get even, and you're yeah. like instead of thinking, okay, I'm gonna stay really flat foot as long as you can. You're like this is only one twenty five. You're like you're judging. Fuck this! I can power snatch this. I can see your nose sweating as well because you're like instead of thinking, geez, that one twenty five is decent. Now maybe I need to change this. You're yeah. thinking. Was that 125 easy enough to do my 140s yeah. better than my 135s last week? Like yeah. you're, you're not doing it right, you know? Oh my God, it's so real. I can feel the anxiety now. Yeah. Jesus, things are warm in here. <laughs> <laughs> You're boob sweating. <laughs> but yeah, like, so it's great, right? As we go through the day, if we can block those things out, right? So if you if you work, if you've college, if you're doing stuff, whatever, you might just be able to block that out and not think about it. But then, yeah, that's not always possible. No, <laughs> sometimes you just can't get it out of your head, and then you need to start yeah. manipulating those thoughts. You or could attempting to manipulate those thoughts into positive thoughts. Like you, I was just gonna say, you could you think about them in a positive way too. Yeah, you could be really looking forward to the session mm-hmm. and still fuck it up. So you could end up doing the exact same scenario. So let's say one forty is a PB, and you're going for it, and you're thinking, Jesus, was one twenty. Instead of thinking, like, let's say again, I'm one twenty five. I want to stay, keep my arms straight. You're just thinking, was 125 easy enough to do 140? Yeah. And like what we'd refer to that, we, in in the industry, we'd refer to that uh, Uh, as experts. So that's like reframing, you know, it's like cognitive reframing. We're taking something that might not necessarily be a big positive um, or might actually be a serious negative 
uh, and turning it into a positive thought pattern. So say if we take Gert for the example here and he's going to snatch 140 kilos for the first time tonight and he is he has this in the back of his head that like a lot of those thoughts you're having in the middle of the day are like you're afraid of missing mm-hmm. it's not like this is gonna be the best thing ever no you're like yeah. oh i can't miss it again i missed it two weeks ago like yeah yeah uh, uh, i'm going away next stop week stop make me anxious like but that's stop it. that's an incredibly negative thought process right because yeah. if you go if i go girth don't think about a pink elephant. You just thought about a pink elephant immediately. Of course. Yeah, of course you. Like you want, you don't want any negative associations. So then, rather than it being like, so he can't get it out of his head, right? He's thinking about snatching all day long. He's waiting at the water dispenser at work, playing with a sweeping brush, being like, "This is how I'm gonna grip the bar." Yeah. And then, like at lunchtime, he looks in his gear bag and he's like, "Yes, I've got my blue T-shirt. This yeah. is gonna be a good day." So. You can't get it out of your head because everything yeah. you're thinking about. Uh, so then you need to start thinking about things like, geez, this is great. You know, if I thought back to a year ago when I was snatching 110, Jesus, like the weights I'm doing when we warm up, they were so good. Do you know, yeah. like you just have positive reflective moments. Yeah. You could also have things like, okay, there's three things I have to work on in my snatch. Yeah. They're my uh, staying flat-footed for as long as I can. Yeah extending vertically and then strong catch or something like that i think help as well as if you write those down yeah or if you write on the weights even yeah and then it's like you're putting plans in place yeah so writing it down is really nice because it's it's not only is it structured goal setting where you'd be very active about your goal yeah as well. and you're like ticking these things off that's 100 that's 110 that's 120 and you're like constant positive affirmation of i'm hitting this this yeah. is like i've landed this is exactly what i thought taking things off is the most satisfying feeling oh ever oh my god but then like so then you're going through the session and all those thoughts which could have been negative as mm-hmm. you go through the day yeah. they're suddenly like I'm a fucking baller yeah. it's like yeah. I know exactly what I'm doing Yeah. and then you go to 140 and like I- even if it's a miss yeah. you're like jeez I have such good control over my warm up now yeah. or if, if you did write those down as well instead of and if you go like your warm up sets you write them down you go 90, 100, 110, 120 whatever your warm up sets are if you write them down and you follow them, one, you've also given yourself a much better chance of making 140. Yeah. But then as Dara said, if you miss 140, you're not mad at yourself for doing dumb shit. Yeah. You're not saying, why did I go 100, 130? Whereas if you followed your warm-up, you're like, okay, next time when I do it and I follow the warm-up again and I made it, you've been either more consistent and you give yourself more opportunity, but you've also just produced another negative thing. Definitely. Give out yourself about it, I suppose. Yeah. And like any time you can turn a potentially negative situation so like a big session like that or a big competition that's they're always potentially negative because there's huge gain huge things to be gained but also huge things to be lost if you can take that and in your pre-planning and how you what your attitude is like beforehand and how you act if you can take that and make it that it's going to be a positive situation it might be a hugely positive situation because you win the competition or you make the PB. Yeah. Or it might just be slightly positive. Yeah. But it's still positive. You know, and like that takes a little bit of the anger away and you can spend less time crying in the shower afterwards. Because like the, <laughs> like the last thing you want to do is give yourself reasons to fuck up. Yeah. And I think one of the, probably the biggest things that's probably underutilized in terms of psychological training that I've, I think we've talked about, or that I've ever heard anyone ever talk about, and I obviously I haven't 
incredibly au fait with the, phys- the psychology literature, <laughs> but is the momentum of... You mean you don't read those things I send you in the weekly newsletter? There, I actually don't. <laughs> uh, we should start a sake. newsletter, though. Yeah, we should, actually. So, is the momentum of your program and training yeah. has a huge psychological benefit. And I'm sure people have written about this in a roundabout way, but I, I'd imagine no one gives a shit about weightlifting and psychology. Or very little people do. They actually do. Or even powerlifting or stuff like that. Yeah, they don't give a fuck about powerlifting. So what I'm talking about is you it's like a positive affirmation is probably yeah. the best way to describe it. So let's say that's why we talk about the importance of going slowly too. Obviously in terms of physical adaption it's massively important, but in terms of psychological it's incredibly important too. Whereas if you you give yourself you're setting up dominoes and you're knocking them down, like Darren was saying, you're ticking off your warm ups. If you think about this in a macro scale and you're taking off your weekly weights. So let's say we're doing, uh, we'll give powerlifting a shout out because we haven't said anything about them. Yeah. And let's say you're doing, your, you're working up in a squat cycle and you're starting at like Did three by ten. you just blow into the microphone? There was a fly. You can't just blow into the microphone. There was, let's say you've started off with your like your three by tens or something in yeah. your back squat and they're fantastic and this is like your third time running this so you've just, the next three by ten is a PB three by ten. Yeah. And they were so easy and from the previous session and if you're very smart you'll have just done those three by tens and not done any more, not jumped any weights and then you do your four by eights or whatever and then you do your six by threes or six by fives or five by fives or whatever and every session you're just like knocking down those dominoes and instead of doing something stupid and going heavy for four weeks, you've done four really good sessions. You're really happy with each one of those sessions. Training in your head is something that you associate with really positive emotions because you've been just absolutely annihilating those dominoes in a really efficient yeah. manner. You planned them, so it was you doing it, and you've you've set them up in such a way that it was you in control. And then as you push on, so then when you get to your like three by three, like 170 or something, and your goal is like 200, and you get three by three, 180 or whatever, and you annihilate those and then you're like yes you know yeah. what's coming and you see the next two weeks in your head and rather than being like Jesus I barely got that 190 for two you're like I just uh, aced that 180 for two sets of two Yeah. then the next week you do your 190 for three singles or something and you just that, that 200's already made in your head you know whereas if you'd been a the f- other, dumbass the other like amazing strength of that is we all have bad times in training like yeah. there's always a time where like you're just not able to train as well and training goes like shit and then when you have those dominoes knocked up, like you're like looking at a room full of knocked over dominoes and one's left standing. Yeah. And you're like, all right, yeah. look, yeah. I know it works. Yeah. Let's just go again. Rather than it being like flying by the seat of your pads, being yeah. like another top set today. Yeah, that's it. Like, you yeah. know, like in the article, the, street, the, the squad article that we'll have coming out in a few days, one of the main, the first tip is have a plan, you know? Yeah. And like having a plan is so important because you just want to reduce as many variables as possible. Let alone, if you have a plan, you're more likely to stick to it and also you know what you're going to do each session, which is, is so incredibly important. But you just want to reduce as many variables as possible. It also, like, it makes it a lot easier to be patient as well. Yeah. And that's like, we harp on about this. Be patient and go slowly. Yeah. But like, it's hard to be patient. Yeah, it's hard to be patient. And like, when this is what you draw most of your enjoyment from, yeah, it's very, very difficult to be patient. Yeah, you, know, you just want to hit them big lifts. 
you know and nobody likes doing tens or eights or like five sets of something I kind of like Pe- tens yeah you're weird like, but like people like doing one set of one rep really 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 heavy yeah like nobody does weightlifting to lift do you not mediocre love, weights do you not love the feeling of a, like a really good set of ten in the no. squat the one it feels like Garf. do you know Garf, I have that feeling in my quads right now and my toes are twitching do you see that the 200 for three during the week do you know where it's just like it's just that's it, three do you know it's like a yo-yo you're just like mm, it's 30% mm, of the reps mm, Mm. You've left seventy percent of the reps go. There's no bother, like why aren't we? Ain't <laughs> no bother. Ain't no bother, kid. All right, we've talked about so basically for the last fifteen minutes we've actually been talking about this, but the other side being super super hyped and how to get hyped up mm. is uh how to relax, uh how to take re- away some of those negative emotions or how to just dial back. I actually have to interrupt you there before we get onto the hypedness slightly. The- this age is an effective way of using caffeine to hype yourself up right is and you might know this but if you know you're going to have a big session and we actually wrote it in the we have an article about this on the uh, attacking one RM session on LinkedIn if you want to go look at it but if you here's el- one I prepared earlier <laughs> <laughs> if you remove caffeine from your diet oh this is such a good idea for a week so caffeine tolerance this is what we do with all the weightlifters and it uh, works so well it comes back within uh, like five to seven days it's yeah. super short like you're like even less maybe it's really really short for everybody like almost everybody like your ca- your tolerance of caffeine goes way down again for like after like a week so if you know you have a big session coming up and you don't have any heavy sessions in the meantime and you're someone who heavily abuses caffeine <laughs> you just remove it from your your diet or completely and it has to be completely so yeah. like it's not like you cut down the amount to just yeah. take it all out it's important to take it all out for the yeah. like to get your tolerance back and then on your session when you add that back in instead of needing 500 milligrams of caffeine like 150 milligrams of caffeine will feel like a fuck ton and you'll yeah. be really hyped what we usually do is um if lifters are competing on a saturday we'll usually have a heavy enough session on the sunday and they'll have their normal amount of caffeine for that. You, cause then, you, that cause sorry, just now to add. Yeah. That session, well, that Sunday session is important, or that Monday or whenever you do it. It's really important. No, it's, it's basically no use for the programming. No, like, no You're not no, making no, any gains. No. But it's just a psychological session. Yeah, tick the box. So if you remove caffeine and you do shit that session, you're like, you've yeah. ruined that whole week. Cause yeah. you're, if Unless you're an incredibly experienced lifter or psychologically very strong lifter. Yeah. It's just going to play in your mind for no need to. Yeah, so what we usually do is that Sunday session, they're going to hit around normal 90%, 92%, and all their normal shit. So like yeah, pre-workout, cups whatever. of coffees, pre-workout, monster, uh, small lines of cocaine off the back of midget's heads. <laughs> uh, no, but they just do, keep it they consistent. Do, they do normal stuff that Sundays. they always do, right? Yeah. So they'll come in, they'll hit 90%, 92%, whatever. Um, standard lifts, they're going to make... 95 99% of the time, yeah. They go in, they smash those. Then, as of Monday morning, very light session, which we would be, yeah. And they have zero caffeine. Um, then depending if they're cutting weight, they're probably starting a water loading phase. Then, uh, we won't get into that, but taking out caffeine really, really helps that as well. Um, so then they go, they'll have no caffeine all the way through until Saturday morning, and then they'll have a cup of coffee or half a cup of coffee just before they weigh in uh, and then they'll start loading caffeine and you take people who are used to having like in excess of maybe 350 milligrams of caffeine 
which would be like two and a half cups of coffee or that's a lot like for anyone really. monster for training it's a lot yeah uh you'll take those people and then half a mug of coffee and they're they're physically shaking like in the lifting community especially in like part of thing crossfit yeah being a uh a, a, f- a coffee addict is like is a trendy thing i suppose yeah. like people love it's like the smoking in the 60s that's it's like smoking <laughs> in the 80s bulgarian male lifters <laughs> like it's it's kind of um and a cool thing to do i suppose really is to like how much caffeine you take yeah. and how much coffee you drink and how you can't function with coffee i feel like it's gone away a bit now but it's important to note that just have a little think about it especially if you're a competitive athlete so if you're a non-competitive athlete and you just love training then realistically you probably don't have to worry about it but if you're a competitive athlete you want to your whole reason for training is competition and if this particular few days of uncomfort are uncomfortable uncomfort discomfort, discomfort Jesus yeah. Christ a few days of like just a little bit of like inconvenience to you will make your competition all the better you should you should really give it a go yeah and like it's important to note that if you're used to having two or three cups of coffee a day you might get some headaches you will get headaches yeah uh, I never got them I, I always I only had two them. really two was the max I've ever had yeah really. I was one of those people who was like oh, I can't live without coffee you have way, le- you have way less now don't way you less, yeah. you used to have um, like maybe two or three cans of Monster before yeah I'd have On two cans days. of Monster every training session loads of coffee yeah every, so, oh like five or six cups of coffee I've heard you turn down cups of coffee yeah that's very weird it's just yeah, actually turning over a new leaf when you turned down a cup of coffee there a few weeks ago it was genuinely yeah. very you didn't finish, finish a cup of coffee no you know, something on a total tangent here, but it's still about coffee. <laughs> we need to cover the caffeine thing. Go We're on. covering it. People understand. <laughs> but I feel like the less coffee you drink, the more you appreciate it. It just tastes... Yeah. It tastes amazing. It tastes so good. I have one in the morning. It's the nectar of the gods. <laughs> Matthew Walker is scared the living daylight out of me about coffee and it's affecting your sleep. <laughs> so I have it. He says 12 to 14 hours, the absolute f- lunatic. Oh so I have one on half nine He's in the also morning. like never drink alcohol in your life. That's why he's so boring. <laughs> but I had I have one at half nine, and it's it just happens to be the one at work is phenomenal, and it's just the best. Yeah. You don't you just like you, you're like smell is part of um. Do you know something about the smell? Is it's um this is psychological thing, so you'll appreciate this. Right. So the reason you <laughs> this like is about your brain, so you like it. You'll love this now. So do you know because you you love the smell of coffee, right? I do. And because. It makes you so when you smell coffee, you feel good, you know. The effect of coffee yeah. itself has it's like a feedback loop because when you smell coffee, you you have coffee, and when you drink coffee, you feel good. So when you smell coffee, you associate the smell of coffee with feeling good. So even when you smell it, you already start feeling good, you know. Yeah, it's just a vicious cycle of it's drinking like coffee. It's like seeing the Christmas ads, the Coca Cola. <laughs> oh my god! So okay. basically, it's a good idea. Right. Remove caffeine right. few days. Take yeah. caffeine, you'll be buzzing. Last point on this. Yep. Caffeine was a banned substance was by WADA for years. So it was banned. Fairly recent, like the 90s. Oh no, the early 2000s, it became none. Um, it was taken off the banned substance list. And it wasn't taken off the banned substance list, not because of its, because they found that it doesn't enhance your performance. It significantly enhances, I cannot talk. It significantly enhances your performance um, in a lot of different ways. But they took it off because people were getting popped for inadvertently they yeah. go to world championships in a different country and they take some kind of 
uh, soft drink that had a bit of caffeine in it, they get popped. Yeah. They'd have a different kind of tea with their breakfast in the morning. They get popped. Yeah. Uh, they take some sort of me- uh, medication that had caffeine in it, like a lot of cough syrups and stuff. Super. And they get popped. Yeah. So like it, it was taken off as a. A convenience factor, really, for the amount of people who are getting it's popped for it. Ridiculous that it was a banned substance. Why do I remove everything that's useful? <laughs> but I, it is like Joe, like yeah, and pe- people brush over things like this so often. You know, people brush over the creatine thing. Yeah, they brush over the caffeine thing. They brush over hydration. Yeah, uh, like all these Pe- things are low hanging fruit. People do love to be like, though, caffeine's a drug. You take drugs every day. You know, they, yeah, they need to lay off that. Drugs, like yeah, lay off that a bit. Like they're not going down buying uh, heroin off the fellow who lives under a bridge like injecting caffeine yeah I do have a, a story that people appreciate now I know it's, this is a total tangent but you know the first part you know what the first person ever was popped for go on was alcohol fuck off and he was on a bobsleigh team like, well, I don't think he was Jamaican but one of the lads tested positive for alcohol he got like smashed night before but I think they won a gold medal smashed smashed and they won and subsequently they got their medal back but for a period of time they removed it from the whole Jesus team. yeah it was at the Winter Olympics Jesus fuck. that mad Schmalkal mad so okay there you're going to talk about some Cammy Downey techniques Cammy Downey stop crying um, right so we talked about it kind of earlier when you're going through the day and you can't stop thinking about things and that, that might have a negative effect when it comes to training it could also have a negative effect that if it's the night before a game or the night before a competition and you can't sleep. Oh, you mean? Oh, you mean? I thought you meant coming down after, as in like after you do. The no, rehearsal. no, no, no. Is that important? It is important. As in like coming down after you get hyped yeah. up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And um, we'll talk about that as well. But so before we even get to the session, so we'll talk about three things. Right. Um, before the we get to the this. session or the competition. Yeah. During the session or competition, and then post. So before we get there, um. You're lying in bed the night before or you're at work the week before and you can't concentrate and it's obviously having negative can effect. I actually have a question for you and I know yeah. if people are just getting ready to listen it's probably annoying but I want to ask you because I'll forget it if I don't. What happens if you have let's say a lifter or I'm thinking of someone in particular now but you'll be able to guess <laughs> or if you have it doesn't matter what sport right and yeah. let's say this person gets them into a serious like neurotic state of like just just internal like just <laughs> that's exactly what I'm thinking yeah. of right but it's been shown that it's very effective for them but it, it clearly affects their mental health how do you deal with that like what what do you do because like it it's without a doubt it affects their performance like it positively affects their performance a lot they're able to get what they need done how do you and in terms of mental health what kind of like, like it's it's just making them very anxious all day all day, all just day. for one day. Uh, let it's multiple days a week, so there's like that's it. A few heavy sessions or whatever you know. Yeah. So anytime they have to go heavy, in every training session. Let's say not every training. So say two sessions a week. It's fairly to, consistent like that, and like, they get extreme anxiety. Yeah, like it's 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 fairly s- strong. Like yeah, so like in terms of that, you have to go Is with it so- health every single time. Really? Yeah. What's so a professional at least? Doesn't matter. In the Olympics. Six months for the Olympics. You would still, yeah. Like, you're you're looking at a. That's why Qatar won't hire you. <laughs> you're looking at at like, what is essentially a ticking time bomb. Yeah. Um. You like think at some athlete, point. burnout comes in oh. many many different forms, but yeah, it like it seriously affects people in terms of like their mental health and their psychological health. So eventually, it will detrimental performance. You're saying. Now. Yeah, yeah, and it like it could be detrimental to their performance, whereby their adherence goes way down. 
um, or their motivation to train goes way down, or it could be detrimental to their performance that they could no longer reach levels of arousal that are are needed for the sport. Okay. So like if if you take for example like the thought of a fighter, and a fighter is going to train seven times a week, and two of those times will be heavy sparring sessions or heavy contact sessions, and then they have a fight. If they're having extreme anxiety attacks or if they're unable to sleep at least twice a week because of it you're talking about something that's prolonged and is lasting a serious amount of time hmm. and it like it, it's going to detrimentally affect their performance but more importantly it's just going to affect them their health like yeah that. which in a, in a roundabout way will it will affect their performance yeah like the, without yet like without the person there isn't an athlete okay uh so you'll have to sort that out so like if you're lying there obviously like that's it Extreme, scenario. extreme, and it's like acute. You just have ten tomorrow in the best squad. Yes, yeah. So you you've a heavy session tomorrow. Uh, you're anxious about it. Uh, my first piece of advice would be what Gurf said earlier, and it would be make a plan. Um, so there, I need to follow that more as well. Yeah. So like, there's no point turning on like the Headspace app or going for that. a walk in nature. Does not all these things which would be beneficial. Are you just well, avoiding the problem by doing those? Well, it's not a distraction technique, Joe. But it's not helping you. It's but not it, proactive. Yeah. So, like, I'd like to see a very proactive and positive step taken. Yeah. And then we'll try and de-escalate. So, if I can say... <laughs> Come off the ledge, bro. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, so, we'll take the example of you having a heavy session tomorrow. Right, yeah. And this might be, like, national team trials or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, Beans rowing. It. Yeah, if my gear bag isn't packed, yeah, uh, my food isn't prepped, yeah, I don't have a plan for how I'm going to warm up, yeah, I haven't organised my uh, accommodation there or my transport there. Even me, me and Rory were talking about today, like we both both had the same thought. We both pull out fresh training clothes. We're like just out yeah, of the wash. Yeah, like if you, yeah. like if you've dirty gear in your wash basket, um, you probably don't need to be going to a breathing technique. Yeah, because you have so much negative momentum built up around it so then it's too late like <laughs> no but it's it, like it's not too late but we have we have many bridges to cross before it comes to that very proactive bridges yeah, and we, we'll take the low hanging fruit off the tree first so yeah. don't um, be panicking in the morning trying to get your year together exactly and you're like you're going to sleep so much better if everything is ready to go in the morning yeah because you're not going to be worrying about geez I have to wake up an hour and a half early yeah uh, you're not going to be worried about oh what happens if the alarm doesn't go off uh, what happens if my mom can't bring me? What happens if the bus is late? Yeah. If we have all these things organized in advance. Yeah. And like, obviously, if it's two o'clock in the morning and you're listening to the Seek a Strength podcast and you're about to compete in the morning. Good job. You're like, they're telling me to do my washing and it's yeah, not yeah, helping. Yeah, yeah. Um, these propri- like proprietary acts, small little things can be down to, uh, are your fingernails clipped? Do you have tape in your bag? Yeah. Uh, do you have enough food in the fridge? Yeah. Or will you need to go to the shop on the way to the competition? Yeah. Like all these small things. So that would be my first step. Uh, they're exciting though. They're so exciting. Yeah. Uh, so that would be my first step. My next step then is a kind of a, a preliminary one. Uh, and it would be on that day. I would make sure my diet is absolutely on point to the point where I'll have no stomach discomfort so I'm not going to slam a whole pizza just before I go to bed. Especially if I know I'm someone who gets nervous. I'm not going to do something that will cause me discomfort 
or cause me to be getting up in the middle of the night to drink more water because I'm really thirsty because I just ate something that's really salty and shit. Uh, I'm not going to have a lot of caffeine. I'll probably have no caffeine and it might just be for the fact of sleep. Um, that would be my second thing to do. I'd make sure that my actual physiological system is in a place whereby I'm allowed to relax because obviously there are certain things that we can do. Like if we have a bottle of beer or two bottles of beer, it might be really good to relax. I had if we have six bottles of beer several bottles of beer before your beans yeah six out of six national <laughs> records yeah so like that obviously helps you to relax yeah and that's like we're putting our physical so we've taken care of the environmental stuff we have a plan we know what's happening in the morning when we, we wake up we have all these things we have our warm-ups planned then we look at our physiological system all that is good it might be a thing we might need to do some stretching might need to do some foam rolling some soft tissue release all those things are positive steps in a good direction. And then we start looking at the psychology aspect of it. And like, I think we love to jump on the bandwagon of like, straight away we go and sort psychology. Mm-hmm. That mightn't be it. Like yeah. we, we might have feelings of anxiety because we're not actually prepared to go and do this thing tomorrow. I've, th- I've thought, I've said that before. Remember me and Bean were talking and I said, I usually almost almost always know the exact source of my anxiety yeah and it's a problem that i can fix yeah so yeah. like it's it's really really simple or maybe i can't fix it but i know the action that needs to be done yeah um so then if it is a thing so like there's a lot people will draw relaxation techniques from different areas uh like mindfulness is something that works for a lot of people mindfulness works horrendously for a big proportion of the of the population does it so if you have somebody who's adhd or uh yeah like adhd is a really good example and you sit them in a room with nothing around them and tell them to start being mindful of their breathing yeah do you think that helps their anxiety (laughs) (laughs) of course it doesn't help their anxiety joe like or if you take somebody who's naturally nervous in a forest setting yeah (laughs) and <laughs> you bring them into a nature <laughs> yeah. uh, intervention in a forest setting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No bueno. No bueno. You take somebody who's not comfortable around people and you put them in a talking therapy group with seven other people. That's no good. Yeah. Or you put somebody in uh, just like a very simple, like you might have like a meditation a meditation protocol with like incense burning and like certain music playing but they're in there on their own and they're a very social person that obviously would negatively affect them so like there's these things are very much you have to play around with them i like mindfulness stuff works horrendously badly for me i don't get Does anxiety it? at all yeah like i've never ever struggled with it i don't know is it just that that part of my brain has been mashed away i'd say probably um but we've like we've obviously done like fairly extensive um training with this kind of stuff it's just something i just don't enjoy it um but you put me out next to a river or in a field and i'm like hey yeah, yeah like yeah, the yeah. dara living inside my brain is happy as larry i like driving in silence yeah big fan of that driving in silence or having internal conversations with myself about things yeah arguments with people no oh the arguments with people is so funny <laughs> you're so ready for the situation and then it never happens and you're like "Mm." so you like you definitely know this situation where you're like 
uh, you're driving somewhere and it's like you've gotten like a bitchy text off someone and you know you're going to meet them mm-hmm. and it's like do you know what now? Yeah, yeah. Do you know what? <laughs> Do you know what? This happened last week and I didn't yeah. say anything. And yeah, you have yeah, this yeah. like you have this entire conversation. Yeah. And like I verbalize it a lot of the time. Like I say it out loud. I'm physically saying it out loud in my head. Or out loud in my car on my yeah. own. Be like, no. Fuck you. Yeah, fuck you, man. Uh yeah, I don't know how we quite got onto that. Um but yeah, like driving in silence is good. So what I would say is the time to go and find out what works for relaxing you is not the night before. Yeah, is it's not a before. time of heightened anxiety. No, to do that night before. Yeah. And like as a lot of athletes are type A personalities, especially on like in team sports and in high level sport, uh, weightlifting is a bit of an exception or like a lot of individual sports are slight exceptions. A lot of weirdos in weightlifting. Yeah. You'll just have a lot more reclusive characters, you know, Characters is the word for me. <laughs> uh, because like type A personalities, a lot of the time won't want to be seen to be like reclusive and doing things on their own. They they prefer to be in a leadership role or a commanding role. It's important that if you're an athlete, you know that these things like anxiety are, are going to affect you at some stage, or they statistically would say you're probably going to have to deal with it at some stage. Although it might not be an issue for you. Uh, it might be no harm to be like, Joe, what? I'm gonna take a yoga class, or yeah, um, I'm gonna walk that path out behind my house and just see what it's like. Yeah, Joe, because because then like we talked about things earlier where we talked about like going to the well to get like really hyped up, you know, like yeah, going to that place. Um, I most of the time for our sport we don't have to go to a well to get hyped up because yeah. we love doing our sport. But when it's a situation where we're like really struggling with nerves, that's the well you have to go to. Is there some form of consistency breeds resilience in mental stuff? So like training in the same gym gives reducing the variables kind of that way. Or so if, if that's could it be it's probably that that situation if it's stressful, it's stressful regardless how often you try it. Yeah. Do you become numb to the stress? No. So there's certain people react very very poorly to high stress situations and certain people react very very well and we talk about the same person all the time <laughs> <laughs> um, so right I'm going to give you an example so uh, Michael Phelps the like most decorated Olympian of all time is most a swimmer. decorated marijuana swimmer what's that most decorated marijuana swimmer is it <laughs> he had extremely bad I think it was ADD and ADHD uh, struggled hugely with anxiety I think got popped for marijuana because he used to use it to calm down. And they used to do things called planned distractions with him, right? So they'd, his coaches would hide his goggles the night before the Olympics finals because it's a planned distraction. They used to do it during training. Uh, he got used to them fucking with him. And it was like... Did it do the same thing all the time or different things? Different things. And the interesting stuff, so obviously there's been quite a body of research done with this. The interesting thing with planned distractions is it doesn't matter if you know it's a planned distraction or not. Yeah. It still distracts you. That's mad. You would, yeah. think, so you would like, think you'd just be calmer about it. In a lot of team sports, they'll do, like where a coach is going to referee a game, right? So you have a training game, it might be A's against B's, and the coach is going to just flow one side. Yeah. He's going to be so one-sided, he's going to send people off, he's going to keep giving penalties, he's going to keep putting people in the bin, 
Uh, and it doesn't matter if you know that Shawnee's being a dickhead on purpose, right? Yeah. You just need you just know Shawnee's a dickhead. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then you suddenly start acting in different like acting in different ways. So I think consistency, like to get back to your original thing, like consistency in a training environment can build resilience, but it might also be that if you only ever train in one gym, yeah, and you never train anywhere else, and then you go somewhere different, then the chalk feels different. Yeah, Joe. Yeah, you you need to figure out kind of how you react well. Um, interestingly enough, like the the definition of resilience is like a lot of people will think like resilience is I'm gonna keep banging my head off that wall till I get through. Yeah, that's not resilience. Resilience is a positive adaptation. To a negative stressor. You mentioned this before, actually. Yeah. Yeah. So, like, uh, hardiness or grit is probably um, what most people will like. Those two values, which are two different things, are what people would probably consider resilience to be. Yeah. Like, uh, hardiness is just fault, like continuing for a successful outcome, no matter what you have to do. Yeah. So, like, keep banging your head off the wall until you get through yeah whereas like that's not what resilience is resilience is uh getting injured so tearing your hamstring then rather than going on the piss for a week and coming back or rather than playing the game the next week it's going away and doing your rehab and then coming back four weeks later yeah that's resilience you know uh, like the positive uh like the positive bounce back or the positive reaction is is a real it's a point that people tend to overlook Something we didn't mention for psychological well-being and hypeness is how good your quality of sleep and how much sleep you got before will affect it yeah. absolutely in, in dramatic ways if you are not really well slept. Yeah. Because if you're operating off three hours consistently every night or four hours, <laughs> like Captain Fitz here, <laughs> you just, no matter how much caffeine you take or how well your training's been going, if no. it's always, if, if, you've got, if you've got shit sleep and you're not used to it especially... You're you're just you've just put yourself at such a deficit. Yeah. Like you're like there's been loads of research, especially on like you know if you get less sleep, like your negative emotions are much higher, like your just depression is higher. That's just gonna fuck you up for training. Yeah. So you're a bit as you get hyped up if you just feel like shit mentally and physically if you're not recovered properly from training, like poor sleep is is so important. It's, yeah. It's so it's so important to get good sleep. And I, like I think then if you're if you're a person who's in a position whereby you know, like if you're a shift worker um, or you have a family or whatever the situation is, whereby you know on a semi-regular basis your sleep is going to be interrupted, you can't be that person who gets super hyped. Yeah. Because it means that the one session a week or the two sessions a month where you're after really not sleeping well or you're severely under-recovered, you're then going to have to go to that well. Yeah. And be like, today, yeah. I'm going to have to have the the caffeine. Today, I'm going to have to have really heavy music. Today, yeah. I'm going to have to have smelling salts. Uh, you you can't be the person who burns the candle at both ends because your level of stress is already so high yeah. from uh, sacrifice sleep that you can't then bring in recreational extra stress. Like as we said before, stress from the stress from lifting and the stress from training and stress from it's all the same to your body yeah but stress from life will not help your lifting no. or stress from lifting might help it 
but at the end of the day it's all stress in your body and there's only so much you can take yeah and, and like com- that com- that stress is all the same yeah doesn't and matter if it's your boss shouting at you or yeah. it's 300 kilos on your back and one of them will make you better training and the other one will definitely <laughs> not make you better training yeah one of them in the right amounts yeah will make you better okay. definitely I think we're okay we done here we're, you're gonna give one example of the weirdest thing you ever do to get hyped up do you have something in mind for me I do yeah you tell yours while I think about it uh, so before rugby matches we used to listen to or I used to listen to Adele's song Someone Like You yeah and it was it still is to this day if I'm going for like a max it's like it's too much too much it's literally too much are you serious unless I'm going for like a max heavy deadlift and I could just pull it off the floor and not have to think about anything it's just like it incites a response within me that I'm usually not really that well able to handle that is absolutely yeah. ridiculous yeah I lost a big match and then we got back onto the bus afterwards and the bus driver wasn't on the bus and this Adele song was playing everywhere and it was playing really really loud over the radio on the bus and nobody was talking and then people were like turn off that fucking song and then nobody was talking and then the bus driver wasn't on the bus and the song kept playing and ever since it's just like it brings me back to being 19 years of age yeah after losing yeah and just losing my fucking mind that's pretty strange yeah and then the second one is the Carly Rae Jepsen song Call Me Maybe Why does that get you hooked up? So we had this like Old stereo in the The gym in the shed Yeah And I had like A mix CD Which yeah. of, of course I did Yeah Um, And something happened The CD That the CD Draw you Or like Draw our use And come out Or you think I used to have to use A screwdriver to take it out So it used to never come out Yeah And this song was on it Because it was A huge Hit at the time Yeah uh, It was on it with Songs you may know as uh, Eminem, Stan. Yeah. Uh, a bit depressed the music, I'd say, but it's on the things. Yeah, of course it was. It was like crying in the shed training on your own music. Uh, what else is on that? Lose Yourself by Eminem. That's not a bad song. Uh, Remember the Name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All those. Yeah. That's a great song. All those great pump-up songs. And then it was Call, you, Call Me Maybe. Uh, and the lads used to hate Call Me Maybe so I used to put it on when we'd all be lifting heavy mm-hmm. and now there's still just like that positive affirmation in my head that's like Call You hey Maybe man, a, yeah d- d- that's absolutely disgusting yeah. I can't think of anything weird uh, I used to like Mumford and Sun songs used to really get me going but that's not that weird to be honest mm. in the shed alone when I was training dark <laughs> used to help a lot for some reason especially when Babel came out Oh, it's a great album. Such a good album. Alrighty then. Thanks for listening, guys. Love you, bye.